We still do seven NUFC Matters show a week for free. But if you want to help support NUFC Matters, then there are a few ways of doing it. Hit the like button on each live broadcast and video. This helps the channel grow. Hit the subscribe button and select the all notifications bell so you don't miss a single show. If you want to help us financially, then you can join the channel using this button with the membership starting at $1.99 a month. Or you can drop us a donation in the chat using a super sticker. We're also looking for sponsors. If you'd like your brand advertised on the flies for the show and featured during the ad break, then email john at nufcmatters.com to arrange today. Good evening, welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. It is the Three Amigos, and I'm joined, as always, by Steve, Mitch and George. Good evening, lads. Hello, everybody. And as we always say, it's a perfect way to kickstart your Newcastle United weekend. Um, wow, what a, what a couple of weeks we've had. Uh, if there was anything um, uh, such as a, a Christmas horribleness, then that has certainly been it, uh, Steve. Um, you know, two games against the teams, you know, trying to stay up, trying to keep their head above water in Nottingham Forest and Luton Town. Uh, should have really, um, the way Newcastle have been playing, should have led to six points. But we all know uh, football has a, a, a horrible thing um, of, of, you know, just basically chucking things in your face, especially when you're a Newcastle fan. And um, I, I think the one thing I picked up from Eddie Howe's press conference today, which I'll review tomorrow, is um, is that he's every bit as upset as, as us. You know, and the players are because they just didn't see it coming. And um, after the cup exit to uh, to Chelsea in the Carabao Cup, uh, the exit from Europe, of course, in the group of death, uh, then I have two games over Christmas, which really should have been a, a home banker and an away banker. Yeah, it, it's a tough one to take, isn't it, Steve? It is, it is, Steve. Uh, and uh, I know how the players feel, how exhausted they must feel. Uh, two games in, in, in so many games in quick succession. It's a bit like having uh, two nights out with Stuart Penman in quick succession. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, on a serious note, uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's it's been a long month, Steve. Uh, it's been an exhausting month, I think, for fans and players mentally uh, as well as physically because we seem to have gone through the mill. We've, we've had some ups and we've had some downs. Um you know, we, we've had some disappointments. We've had some great performances. Um, and, and, you know, it, it rubs off on, on everyone, doesn't it? It rubs off on the fans. It rubs off on the players, the staff. Um, you, you rattle through the city. And, and, you know, thankfully, everyone that I'm meeting seems to be keeping their head above water and, uh, you know, not not uh, not panicking and not thinking that the, that, that the great flood is on its way and we're going to be all washed away. Um, quite the opposite. I think that, uh, you know, we've, we've got to... We've got a hard game to come, and I'm sure we'll be talking about that later on, and and a few more hard games to come, and 
let's face it, I think everyone's always said there's no such thing as as, as easy games in the in the uh, in the Premier League, and some of the other clubs' results have shown that as well, Steve. But uh, yeah, it's been difficult to take, I think, for for a lot of people. But uh, we've just got to we've just got to keep the faith, and we've just got to stick at it. Players are trying their best. The you know the injuries of of have rolled through the through the, the squad, um, but the injuries have come at a thick and fast pace, just like the games have. And I think it was inevitable that uh, this is where we would end up. Um, if you if you'd said to, to supporters, you know, we, we can get through three games a week and we'll not have any injuries and we'll have a full squad to choose from, and Eddie will be able to rotate. I think everybody would have thought you were mad. And uh, I think that's what's been proved. Um, you know that, that it's just the way it is, Steve. We've just got to, we've just got to get through this uh, this little barren patch that we've had, and get the players back fit, and uh, hopefully an extra few days even uh, for for the squad before the play on Monday night uh, is going to be a bonus for them. It'll seem like a bonus anyway, an extra couple of days. Yeah, it certainly will. And happy birthday to Tom Dixon in the chat. Yes, um, yes, it's his birthday today. One of our uh, admin as well, so a uh, big, uh, big happy returns, mate. Hope you've had a, a good day, Mitch. Two disastrous results, really, um, over Christmas. Uh, but uh, you know, meltdown on social media. We know what happens on social media, but we we tend to keep ourselves away from that when when these kind of things happen. But yeah, look, it's two disappointing results, and and now going into the month of January, which which in all intents and purposes looks you know looks like a nightmare in current form. Yeah, and. and... I've been trying to put my finger on what what's going on for a little while, and I haven't seen the team in person now. Uh, my dad will tell you um, on the, at the Forest game the minute they equalised, I turned to him and said, "Hey, we're done here." There was something in the body language, something in that um, the way they just didn't respond. Yeah. That I've not seen for a long time. Now, how much of that is physical tiredness? Uh, Dan Byrne, in his interview a couple of weeks ago with BBC, talking about mental tiredness. And that very much looks like what we were. Um, that the, the intensity that we've been playing, having to play at, spread over the time period with the number of games in that time period, seems to have taken a toll. Um, and I find that fascinating for a team that you know plays at the levels we do, the intensity that we do, for it to seem to be the, the mental aspect that's the bit that we're struggling a little bit with. Um, and I think while, while we're all scrambling around trying to work out what's going on. That's created a wonderful little curious concoction for people to come up with all sorts of really bizarre rumours doing the rounds now. And in a, a lot of rumours like this, there's sometimes a little grain of truth. But honestly, I'm, it, 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 it's, it, it, it's like something off of a Discovery Channel documentary now. You know, we're up there, we're, we're hunting Hitler and the Curse of Oak Island <laughs> about what's going on with the stories about our players, you know. Um, and and so, but I think, again, that's that's a, a reflection on everybody scrambling to try and work out, well, what the hell's going on? And I think everybody's frustrated. 
And it's clear from what Eddie said today, he is frustrated as well. Um, but interestingly, he still hasn't really chucked anybody under a bus anywhere or anything like that. Yeah. And nor do I ever think he will. Uh, I just don't think that's his style. I think there's a certain cabbage head who would have had everybody under the bus by now because it certainly wouldn't have been him. Um, and so we've just got to stick together. Everybody's got to stick together. And I know it's really difficult. And we're also entitled to ask questions. We're entitled to be a critical friend. We're entitled to be the mate of the club that says, right, you've had enough to drink, go home. We're entitled to be that mate. Um, it, it, it's none of these things that I've said before. So many things at the minute are presented as binary options. And if you're not this, then you're definitely that. Well, that's that's not the case. You can still be critical of what's going on and ask questions of tactics and selections and things like that. Um, and still recognise that um, last season they were fantastic and we're in a better place as a club than we were under Ashley. But that doesn't mean we can just satisfy for mediocre, be satisfied with mediocrity. If we're going to be forever satisfied with mediocrity, the only thing we'll ever be is the biggest club in Newcastle. And so, you know, you can ask the questions without being overly, um, you know, portrayed as someone who is turning on the club or turning on the team. I think that's a very different thing. Um, and, I, and, I, and I would like to see quite a few more adult discussions about it than people's toys coming out the cot every left, right and centre. Mm. Uh, happy birthday to Gary Milligan in the chat as well. Another birthday today, uh, 29th of December, a popular date. Uh, George, last two results. Give us your views on uh, what you've seen. Before I do that, Steve, can I thank everybody on here and social media for the good wishes for my birthday? Um, I'm really touched by all the lovely things they've said. Um just a pity my team couldn't win on your birthday and, and make it a good day instead of the bloody miserable day it was. Never mind, two, two disastrous results and six points should have been in the bag. There's no question about that. Um, and I've had a worry, and I think I've mentioned it on here and other platforms before, uh, about some of the things that I see happening on the pitch that would worry me as a player, uh, never mind as a, as a supporter. And that is that within minutes of kickoff uh, at Luton, Longstaff, Dubravka, Shah, were in heated conversations about something. And when I say heated, I mean they're really having a go at each other. That early in a the game, there's hardly been enough time to make a mistake. And I have had this niggle in the back of my mind that there's, there's, there's been some sort of uh, change in the dressing room or at the training ground that, that, that we don't know about and that they're trying hard to get rid of. I, I don't know what it is or what, what it could be, but it's there for people to see. If you look closely, if you look at the video of Luton, it would hardly kick off. And I said how I need because Neil was sitting here watching it with me. Look at them two. And then, then he picked, later, later, picked up later on that Longstaff and Travka were having a go at each other. And when they say having, having a go, they really were. And in the Forest game, Similar things, but to lesser extent, uh, because we're we're going in the lead uh, through a beautiful penalty from from Isaac. Um, but then, as, as Neil says, once they equalised, they went in. We both turned to each other and said, "Well, we're, we're going to lose this." 
because collectively you could see the heads go down. And what made it worse was in the middle of that half, when we went 2-1 two, two, down and then 3-1 down, it was, um, it was palpable that for 20 minutes after that, our team, our midfield was being run by a 17-year-old. All the biggins disappeared, Bruno included. And all he was interested in was nasty flicks and kicks and making a nuisance of himself, but not, not in a positive way. And Shah as well. Shah was, in my opinion, Shah was lucky to stay on the pitch on Boxing Day. Some of the things that he tried uh, against Forest players, um, a, a sharper referee would have would have had him off the pitch. Some of it, some of it was really nasty. And what makes senior players do that? In my opinion, is is that they're not working for each other like they were before, and that that worries me greatly. And I hate saying this because I'm not a negative person. You know I come on here and uh, I've got a 2-0 two two win up my sleeve for every game we play um, because that's what I want to happen. I've I've suffered, you know, since 1945, watching all sorts of manner of things go through the doors at St James's Park. And at last we've got something to be proud of. For a long time we haven't had something to be proud of. But it does worry me that these little niggles are creeping in and uh, and and causing us uh, well causing me a great deal of, of anxiety um the the, the shining star it's got to be lewis miley because i say 20 minutes on uh, boxing day he was the only player that was doing anything particularly in midfield he was on his own poor kid and that that's not good either um and there were other 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 decent things as well to come out of it but uh, by and large six points for me thrown away um, uh, just because we didn't apply ourselves in the way that we're used to applying ourselves, and Eddie Howe's got to find find the reason for that. That that's what he's paid for. But I've got to say, if I can see um, as much of that from sitting in the stand, uh, you know, fifty meters away from the pitch, if he didn't see it, then I'd be very disappointed indeed, because that that that's what he's paid to do. So. Um, Yes, the, the defeat was uh, was really, really hard to take. Both were. But worst, most to take was the manner of the defeat, in my opinion. Not just the fact that we lost. It's how we lost. We, we, we let two of the bottom teams in the, in the division take us to the cleaners, frankly. And that, that, that can't be good. And, and we never look like coming back. That, that's the other issue. When in the past... Uh, we might have gone 1-0 down, 2-0 down even, and still felt that we had a chance. Not in those two games we didn't. We never looked as though we would come back. So, um, you know, I'm sorry that this is a negative rant, if you like, but um, it's just how the games felt to me. Uh, and uh, and there's some hard work to do. We're going to talk about Liverpool later, oh, Steve? Well, I'm not, we I'm are. Not, yeah, yeah. We'll be looking at that later on. I'm not, I mean, going, I'll, I'm I'll, not going to that now. But, I'll give it um, it's uh, as I say, um, from from normally somebody who's extremely positive and sometimes over overly positive, um, those two defeats are uh, have stuck in my craw since they happened, and stuck in my craw more because of the manner of the defeat than the actual defeats. We we never looked like we could come back, and when senior players resort like Bruno and like Shaw, resort to do, uh, go out of type and resort to to sneaky little kicks and pushes and just aggravating the opposition instead of getting the ball and making the opposition pay. 
um, there's got to be a reason for that, and that 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 can't be good. Um, and Neil, you know, Neil knows that because he was sitting next to us, uh, and me, me views about this that that I could see things happening on there that I, I I didn't like at all, and weren't what I would like to see from my team. To be perfectly honest, and as I say, Fabian Shaw, if I'd been referee, wouldn't have been on the pitch at ninety minutes. Um, the other thing is my usual habitual annoyance. Why is it that when we get a throw in, it's a bloody embarrassment to her? How much do we pay our coaches? Every every throw in we had, nobody knew what they were doing. Never was it very positive. It's supposed to be an advantage when you when you've got the ball, and they're an embarrassment. It, it, you know, I, I know I go on about this, but it it is just an embarrassment. And uh, um, it's time somebody did something about it. And then, you know, good luck to them if they try. Uh, but that's that's the end. That's that's enough. Once I've got the throw-ins, uh, I'll, I'll stop now and carry on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got to be honest. I think the uh, the two performances were, were, were both completely different. We went to Luton. We knew it was going to be hard after what had happened to, uh, to Lockyer. Um, I still expected Newcastle to come out 2-1 winners. Yeah. I, that, was, that was my prediction. But unfortunately... Um, you know, we got caught up in the moment and, and Luton, take nothing away from them, deserved the victory. They played really, really well. That was the best game. And look at look at what they've done, um, you know, since then. Another win, uh, back-to-back wins, um, you know, in an important game that they won against Sheffield United. And um, sometimes you just have to, you just have to say, you know, at this time, you know, they played, you know, they played better than we did. The Forest game was disappointing. The only, the only thing about the Forest game, which I will, uh, which I will say is that, it proved beyond all reasonable doubt what I'd said prior to uh, him leaving the club is that Chris Wood is is still capable of doing a job in the Premier League, and he did Absolutely. do Newcastle. Absolutely. He did do Newcastle a big, big favour when he was at the club. And I know people were mocking me and saying, "Oh, hi, Steve Wraith says Chris Wood's this and Chris Wood's that." But I'm not being funny. Those three goals were very, very, very well taken. Um, and you know the guy can still finish, and that was why Eddie Howe wanted to take a gamble on him at the time and he's um yeah listen i can see why eddie howe was upset that he left we could do with chris wood and our team at the moment as an option to bring off the bench in games and change things but um i'm going to move on to to the question that alan little posed in the chat whilst we were chatting there steve and eddie was asked about this in his press conference today has eddie got a plan b lads does he lack something regarding game management at times well eddie was asked this by a, a you know lee Ryder. Um, I think it was him who asked it, and he asked it in a rather reluctant manner. Um, and he, he fobbed it off onto the fans by saying, um, "You know, is, is, have you got a have you got a plan B?" It's just that the fans are asking, and 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 Eddie went, "Gosh, you know, he, he was a he was astounded to be asked the question." Um, he then regained his composure when when Lee again pushed the pushed the fact that it was the fans who were asking on social media, "Does he have a plan B?" Because we don't think he does. And ultimately, he said, well, we do have a plan B. We have different formations. We have, um, you know, we have different ways of we have different ways of pressing. We have different ways um, of of, you know, of of utilizing the squad that we have. Um, But it was it was interesting. Uh, You know, it was interesting to hear. First of all, Lee Ryder put the question and I was pleased that he he did put the question out there. But, you know, he also said that, you know, uh, Lee asked him if he was going to go back to basics, 
going to Liverpool? And and you know, would he would he be going back to basics, i.e. defensive basics? And he said, look, I'm, this basics are fundamental of your performance. He says, and you know, we need to improve some basic parts of our defending. Um, but he says, we well, have got many variations. We have got a plan. Um, and he said, some of the stat markers that we look at on a regular basis are still very uh, are still very strong. And we are being very careful not to go too far away from that. Lee then asked him if he was going to park the bus at Liverpool, which, you know, he said, obviously not. Um, you know, you know, he says, you know, we, we're always going to we're always going to play in the same way. You know, we're going to be solid, but we're going to be a threat to Liverpool. Otherwise, you're just you're giving up before the you're giving up before the, you know, the game's kicked off. So it was interesting to hear him ask the question, Steve. But you know, has he got a plan B? Do you think is is you know is is, is that a bit of is that a bit of bravado from how today? And you know, he's laughed it off. I mean, he, he certainly was shocked to hear the question being asked. Well, I suppose it depends on on what your class as a plan B. I mean, for for a lot of supporters, a plan B is a complete change, a complete change of style, complete change of tactics, uh, different formation. You know, go four five one, um, four four two. Uh, playing three at the back and filling your midfield with five if you're playing against a team that that, that lines up uh, similarly to you, all of those type of things. That's what people normally think of a plan B or they think of, you know, when things aren't going quite well on the pitch, you go two now down and you think, right, well, how do we press? Can we, you know, it's early doors. Can we get back into this game? What's the plan going to be now? If the plan is to continue in the same formation, continue in the same way and hope that you can break them down because that's the style of football that you've developed, over a period of of weeks and months on the training pitch, that's his plan B. He's, you know, it, it's it's little tweaks here and there, little slight alterations. People moving forward five yards, people moving across five yards, making the triangles tighter, pulling the triangles a little bit wider, making your wide men go down that little bit further before they cross the ball, getting the ball over the top. That, that's probably what what he classes as his plan B, as opposed to a particular formation or something that he can drive forward with, Steve. So. In that respect, um, he's, he's, he's perfect in his race to say, yes, I do have a plan B and that's what it is. Um, but it's sticking to me principles. Um, the, 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 the other aspect of it is if you're playing and you've got, you know, playing against a team where you'd be benefiting from two holding midfielders as opposed to, to, the, to the one or playing in a diamond or all those type of things. All the things that, that Kevin, who's there on the, on the chat now at the moment, uh, him and I talk about quite regularly along with you guys on our little, little chats where we talk about the, the style and the formation and the tactics that Newcastle might use or, or could use or don't use but might benefit from. And I suppose that just like every other fan, Lee's picking up on that. And he's, 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 I think he was looking for something a little bit more deeper. I think he was looking for a reaction from Eddie. And perhaps the reaction he got isn't the reaction that he expected. Um, I think he's, he was probably looking at, at, at a completely different change of style um, of, of play, not going so gun ho um, not so much on the front foot and being a little bit more controlled and a little bit more um, with less effort and, and more control, more using the ball than using your energy constantly, that type of thing. That's probably what, what the likes of Lee and, and some of the other guys in the press are looking at, especially when fitness is one of those things that's been marked out for Newcastle. You know, and, but Eddie, again, he, he's used the stats to, to prove it wrong and says, you know, we're, we're as fit as we were. We're doing the same amount of running as we were. We're just not getting the getting the breaks, or because of the personnel, you know, it's just a slight little mistake that can be made that that uh, 
that that gives it up and uh, and and creates a, a, an incident and a goal. There's also that mental part of it, isn't it? When you when you think you know Trippier's just literally half a yard further back, otherwise Chris would have been would have been offside. Then you look at the the other aspect of it. Um, you know the ball goes goes wide, and and again, Plan B. What should Plan B or should it have not been slightly more to do with the personnel that he had? Would he have been better playing someone like Livramento wide on the left um, as a fullback to negate the fact that El uh, Elanga is very very quick and was always going to get past the likes of a Dan Byrne if the ball's played over the top or played through? And again, that, you know, these are the little things. These are the little tweaks. Um, I've often said that it, if I did have a criticism, well, I, I used to have two criticisms about about him. One was that the substitutions that he made. Um, and the second one was the timing of those substitutions. Often substitutions were, were either like for like. And again, he's answered probably his own question um, when he said, you know, that we, we, we have a style of play that we want to play. So he puts someone in, takes off a runner to put another runner in, you know, takes off Almiron because he wants to play Murphy or that, that type of thing. But I've, also, I've always felt that the timing sometimes of his substitutions were, were not, not right. He seemed to get it. Seemed to change that. We seemed to get substitutes slightly earlier in the game, um, since around about October time. And I thought, oh, the penny's clicked, or he's he's not necessarily the penny clicking, but he's he's seeing the, those adjustments a little bit earlier, needing to be made a little bit earlier during the game because he's watching what the opposition's doing and he's spotted a gap, he's spotted an error, um, he's spotted an area of weakness that he can exploit. Um, but it's you can negate all that. With the injury crisis that we've had, with the number of personnel that we've had out and trying to drop the personnel into the squad, into that formation that perhaps is just a yard off pace, not quite at the races in terms of the quality of the final ball or something like that in comparison to the player that they're coming in and replacing. So it's all very, very difficult, Steve, to to actually pin something down to just a plan. And, 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 and as, as Lee said, a plan B, what is it? Um, I think it's a multitude of things. I think there's a multitude of, of things that happen on the pitch. And I think that there's there's so many interchangeable factors. Um, Mitch talks about three-dimensional chess <laughs> quite often when it comes to tactics and styles. And I, I sit in the pub and we did it again the other night uh, when, when the, the four of us were together and I'm putting my fingers, I'm trying to show you how I think that this needs to come in and who slots in and all that type of thing. And obviously coaches all have their own different, different ways of getting their opinion over. But uh, it shows you how technical the game's become, how technical we've become in terms of watching the game looking for looking at what the opposition's doing as well as what our players are doing looking for the gaps ourselves and now all of a sudden we're also top level coaches as well, as well as top level critics steve <laughs> yeah 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 is there a plan b mitch look i, I think steve, steve's pretty much got it when he says the, the changes that that he makes sometimes are quite subtle but he does make changes in how things work i think why he persists with Dan Byrne at left back, as I think when we are at our most flowing and best, we have this system which allows Trippier to bomb on on the right-hand side. And effectively, when we're in possession, it becomes back three. We'll burn Botman and Shear or burn Shear and, and Lascelles. Then Trippier effectively becomes an additional right-wing right attack. And 
the problem comes when we go down the left that Burn doesn't necessarily have the skill or the pace to materialise into a triple mark two on the opposite side. But I think how accepts that because of what he gets out of Trippier when that back four allows us to go to a three in possession. He also makes subtle changes within that 4-3-3. Um, when we've got, say, Willock and Joe Linton on the left, see how they interplay and change. They can pop up in different positions. Meanwhile, on the right-hand side, that's what Longstaff and Almiron are doing when we're at Waffle and Best. Um he doesn't make changes to say to go to two banks of four. I don't think you'll ever see Eddie do that. Really, really, really uh, won't see that. Um, he sometimes will make it more like a four-five-one and pull everybody into midfield, uh, fill the midfield. But as we've seen, that often leaves the striker very much stranded. And again, that's where having a Chris Wood option up front would work because he can actually hold the ball up and do something. Uh, to bring more players into the into the game, um, it's you know I don't think you're ever going to see Eddie make wholesale changes to do something drastic to change to something very different. I think what you'll see are always subtle changes and moves within the framework that he likes. Um, particularly with when you see him then put Wilson and Isaac on the pitch together. Very rarely are they what you would think of as a nine and ten. Isaac's more often out wide, yeah. and somebody else is playing in the in that middle role. And so, um, again, I, I, I think it's something you'll always reel against. I don't think you'll ever see him play a traditional four four two, for example. Um, and maybe that's that's why it's taken time to introduce Hall into the system. He wants him to be doing something different to what he's traditionally used to doing in a role at left-back, which is apparently not his preferred role anyway. And so, um, is there a plan B? I, I, again, I don't think it's as simple as an answer as that. I don't think it's just as simple as, right, here's what plan B. We're going to go to an entirely different formation and lump the ball up the middle or something like that. Uh, I think he wants to stick to some certain values but then make subtle but impactful changes around that. My problem is we haven't had the players available to make those changes impactful. George, is there a plan B? Have you seen it? Um, yes, uh, I'm, sh I'm sure there is, and I see evidence in different ways that he, he tries different things. Um, but the last point Neil makes is an important one for anybody who's talking about this is um, plan B any plan depends on the personnel available. And if he hasn't got the personnel on the bench to do what he wants to do, then he's he's stuck with making it plan one and a half or plan one and three quarters. He never gets to plan B. Um, but yes, I mean, and sometimes it, when he's tried plan B, it hasn't worked for us. Look at the Liverpool game, which we should have won. And because we went to a, um, a different style for the last 20 minutes or so, bang, bang, we we'll lose two one, so you know it, it's uh, yes, I, I see evidence that he just tried different things, uh, and that uh, Stephen Neil are right. Can you call it the plan B? He certainly makes attempts to do something different. I can, you know that that's uh, palpable from the from the stand if you watch carefully, uh, and the way in which uh, he moves people around as well, and the, and the number of conversations he has 
them and uh, the uh, Tindall have on the touchline with players is that is they're close to them, uh, passion on instructions all the time. That's all about Plan B for me. Uh, so yes, I do see see that. But uh, but it's uh, the last point Neil made and, and Steve made it as well is that if you haven't got the personnel sitting on the bench to do these changes, then you're stuck with Plan A, perhaps a bit longer than you want to be. Um, I agree with Steve. Perhaps it's because we sit together. Um, some of the timing of the, of the substitutions are sometimes puzzling. Um, they're either, um, well, sometimes too too short to, to 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 make an impact. You know, the game's over before the 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 the, the substitutes got a, got a chance to make an impact for me. Um, but yes, I, I, I you have to give him credit. You can see that he is trying different things, uh, and. Uh, uh, the way he moves uh, Gordon about, for example, and occasionally he'll switch Gordon and and, and Midgey from Miggy from one side to the other. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think there's a plan B. It isn't as simple as that, but I, yeah, I I see evidence that he does try doing different things during a game. If I have a slight criticism, we tend to be reactive rather than proactive. Our plan B is about when we're in trouble. I would like to say our plan B making somebody else in trouble. Now we haven't seen evidence of that. It's usually, as I say, it's usually reactive. It's usually when we need to do something uh, that the changes the changes are made. I would like to see us have a plan B that was was proactive and, and was put the opposition in trouble. I haven't seen much of that. I have to say, but the, to answer the question that was asked, yes, I think he does have a plan B. Okay, uh, lots of comments coming in about uh, speculation on this player, that player, the other player. Um, I'm not going to even go there on the show tonight because that's exactly what it is. It's rumours and speculation. And and none of that does anybody any good or any favours at all. Uh, let's face it. Um, and and the likelihood is that a lot of these stories which have been circulated, particularly on WhatsApp, and some I've seen now, Bizarrely putting it out on their Twitter account. Not a wise move when the club's lawyers are sitting watching at home. Um, and certain yeah. lawyers will be watching at home. Uh, but just, just ignore it. Just ignore it. Uh, we're all old enough and wise enough to know that this kind of rubbish gets circulated. We've laughed at it. We've genuinely laughed at it. And and, and, and I'm sure there'll be um, further stuff coming out. But doesn't this always happen when a team goes through um, you know, a, a bad run of football at Newcastle? Um, yeah, don't believe what you read in the papers, they say, but certainly don't believe what you read on social media and, and in a WhatsApp group. Um, hilarious, some of them. Um, you know, mischievous, I would say. Downright lively. So ignore, 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 and just concentrate on uh, watching Newcastle hopefully get something at Anfield. Okay, uh, going to move on, and it is time for the day I met. Yeah, I met where we ask you to send in photographs of you meeting somebody from Newcastle United, past or present. Uh, we've had one or two of these, but David has sent in this. Uh, he says, the day I met Darren Eels, 
pre-seller cup Saturday. He was laughing as he'd been asked if Livermento was close. He just laughed and said, who? I found out later on that Livermento was there watching. So that explained that. Uh, but David, thank you very much for that. And if you've got a photograph of you with a player or manager or uh, director, past or present, send it in so I can play this lovely music. <laughs> Uh, Neil Calvert, good evening. He says, question for the day. What's your thoughts on Eddie using FFP to pour cold water on signings in the upcoming window? Smoke and mirrors, or do you think they'll wait till the summer? Um, again, press conference related. He did mention FFP three or four times today, uh, Steve. Uh, he was asked directly about Calvin Phillips. Is it close? And he went, no. Um, you know, he refused to mention uh, any anything to do with transfers other than you know, FFP dictates what we do. Um, we haven't had any conversations about anything, and that's that. So um, clearly, not willing to talk about um, you know potential incomings, uh, outgoings, whatever. Um, wouldn't even contemplate you know answering a question about the the loan market. So he's he's not changed. Stevie plays with a straight bat when asked these kind of questions. Uh, clearly, won't want to give much away, but I think we all know that we do need some players coming in. Also, asked about the midfield situation, you know, saying that fans believe that we need a number six. Uh, pointed to the fact that we'd signed a midfielder in the summer that can't play till August through no fault of our own. So, again, uh, you know, a, a fairly straight, battered performance by Eddie in the press conference. Um, is he using FFP to pour cold water on things, or is he just playing his usual game, Steve? I think it's a combination of both, Steve. I mean, that was the fire blanket thrown over the stalk, if ever I've known one. Dear me. Um, he's basically told us nothing. I mean, defensive, very defensive. Um, that just means that we're now going to have fans starting to, to to think, oh, right, well, he's been asking for people and, they, you know, there's nobody available or they're, they're not going to go into it and that... Come February, that's something else for the walls start whinging about because he hasn't been supported from upstairs, and that's because of what's happened in the previous three months and all the performances. And yet, this is where it'll, this is where sort of comments can very, very quickly backfire on on a manager. Um, the 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 only people really who know what's going to happen in the transfer window are going to be the people upstairs and the manager himself. And if he's pouring cold water over it, it's because he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to have the conversation. Simple as that. He just wants to get on with what, what he's there for at the moment, which is to prepare his team for Liverpool on, on Monday night. Um, the press conferences about Monday. That's what he wants to talk about. The easiest way he'll pour cold water on it is to just dismiss the whole thing. Um, but as I say, the danger comes if nothing does happen in the next five weeks, and uh, we go into the air uh, into the February set of fixtures, and there's been no additions to the squad, and then people are going to look back at what he said in December and go, "Ah, oh, well, he told with then, and that just shows he's not being supported," and blah blah blah. So as I say, it's a dangerous game to play, but uh, it's a one that you can understand because at the end of the day, he's. <laughs> We, we nobody really knows what the situation is with FFP. We've got plenty of fans out there that, that 
drag up stats and drag up figures and, you know, go through um, various spreadsheets that they've created and, and try to say what where things are. But uh, only only the people, only the money people themselves, the accountants at the club and the people with the, with the club spreadsheets who know exactly what they can and can't do. And again, that's a moving feast anyway. Um, we'll know really where, where we stand with regards to FFP. Um, you've also got the difficulty of everyone's always said the January transfer window is the most difficult one. You know, who's available? Um, who can you play? Who can you bring in? Um, the added sort of complication that you have of the African Cup of Nations, uh, the Asian Cup uh, being played as well, um, which means that potential targets might not be available um, to come in until perhaps February, if you want, if you are looking at them, and then you're in the risk if any of those potential targets pick up injuries during the during either of those competitions. So who knows, Steve? Um, the supporters, we can we can. We can listen to the rumours. We can we can delve into our own little memory banks and have our own little thoughts on who it is. You and I do it regularly. We'll throw names at each other. Um, you know, a, a name will crop up, or we'll 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 go into deep space and we'll try and try and come up with a name that nobody else has mentioned before and say, I wonder if that's that's the sort of player that would fit in. But uh, again, it's it's just entertainment, isn't it, for the masses? And uh, it, it's up to Eddie at the end of the day with his coach and staff on who they want to fit in, whether he feels he's going to carry on until uh, next August when Tenali comes back um, and is and is made available, um, whether or not he feels the injury crisis that he's had um, is is starting to 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 thin out a little bit, and he's going to have some of his players back. Who knows? But. Uh, this is how many times have I said it? This is why Eddie gets paid the big bucks and we don't. <laughs> so. Yeah, it, it's FFP. It's our three favourite letters, Mitch. Uh, crops up every transfer window. Um, but yeah, Eddie, Eddie, not giving anything away today. No, quite right too. We can't because um, the minute we come knocking on someone's door and someone said in a press conference, "Yes, we've got gazillions to spend." We are in bother because we're going to have our pants pulled down. So we'll have to play it in a cagey fashion, really. Um, we can't say on the back of the Everton ruling that FFP only applies to us. We can't. What we've been given of, an example of, is a simple open and shut case of somebody blowing the roof off of FFP, even with lots of help from the Premier League to not do that. They still managed to do it. And if you, you think that they wouldn't delight in bending Newcastle and United over and shoving a watermelon-sized Lego butt plug up our backside in terms of FFP breaching what kind of penalties they'd give us, they'd bloody love it. And so we have to be whiter than white. Otherwise, we'll just be hoisted by our own petard at the end of the day. Um, we might, you know, it, FFP may become irrelevant one day. That might be sooner. It might be later. But right now, we've got to play the game. And we don't do ourselves any favour by saying in public, yeah, this January we've got £400 million to spend. Because I'm telling you now, the first club we approach to buy a player, they'll say, we'll have 200 of that, thanks. And we'll just screw ourselves over. So we've got to play the game. Um, it, it, it's 
I think we have to also be very aware that if we go nuts in January, that affects what we're going to do in the summer and the following January and probably the following summer after that. Yeah, big spend in, in this window might have a knock-on effect to three windows. Whether we're like that or not, and whether we're adding sponsorship and we're balancing the books in other ways, that's still a reality. Um, so what we have to play a delicate little game of Jenga on as well is um, it's risk-reward. If we take that risk and spend big in January, we know the risk is we might not be able to spend big again for another two windows. And so we have to assess where we're at and what our chances of, say, qualifying for Champions League are versus qualifying for Europa versus winning a cup. Um, and make my cut my cloth to suit that as well. Um, I wish it was simpler. I, because of the way everything's gone with the big six previously, the, 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 once again, our experts are getting into the loft, pulling the ladder up and shutting the hatch before anybody else is trying to get on the ladder. Yes. And, and, and they've done it time and time again, and they've done it to us. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I think absolutely right. You, you look at Villa, they probably don't have that much FFP wiggle room. Um, and if anybody thinks that um, the Premier League will look kindly on anybody who blows the top off of FFP, just look at what they did to Everton for a relatively small overspend. They spent time with Everton. They tried to tell Everton, look, you can't include this. Don't include that. But we'll give you leeway on this. And we'll, they gave them the biggest uh, COVID losses by almost a factor of 10 to the next people, which is a nonsense, by the way. They gave them transfer losses on things that they shouldn't be allowed to have transfer losses on. A player who they felt they could sign, who they had to get go because of a police case brought against him. And they wanted that in the books, which is a nonsense. Do we get the same, same uh, afforded the same leeway for Tenali? Don't think so. And so um, we still have to play the game, unfortunately, as frustrating as it is. There'll come a time where the game is either different or the game becomes more weighted in our favour. But again... What probably two years ahead of schedule from this five-year plan that we're told they originally had. Um, we've reaped reward out of it financially already. We've reaped reward out of it in terms of getting praise off the football community for almost navigating through the group of death we were told we weren't going to win a point in. Um, and so I think going forward, there's lots of things we can take out of that. But one thing we can't do is piss around with FFP because honestly, the, the, the Premier League would love us to knack an FFP. They'd love it because it would give them a little window of opportunity to to show their power in inverted commas to the people that were, whose noses were out of joint that eventually that the sale was allowed to go through. FFP, George. Uh, Eddie says he thinks it's going to be around for years in the press conference, but yet 
the Super League that's still hanging around like a bad smell, George. Um, yeah. I, I'm not sure, and, and, and especially the way that certain clubs have pushed the boundaries. Obviously, some awaiting punishment if they can ever get them to court, Man City, Chelsea, for, for obvious reasons. Um, you know, FFP might not be around for years, but well, at, the moment, at the moment, short term, he has got to deal with this, and, and he keeps mentioning it. Well, he's, he's got to. I mean, that's why he's manager in Newcastle. Uh, and and I can't I can't criticise the press for asking because they're asking on our behalf as well as their own. Uh, because I'm sure fans like to know how many fans even begin to understand FFP, including myself. All the, all the uh, um, uh, comebacks and all the uh, queer twists that could be. But the lads are right, Steve and Neil, that... Were we to make a mistake, by God would feel it. There's no doubt about that. They're just itching to have a go. However, one thing that hasn't been mentioned is I think the biggest problem for FFP now is the European Court ruling. And that that could actually have a Bosnian effect on FFP like it did on transfers. I, I think that's something that the... Uh, that all of the leagues across Europe are going to have to think seriously about because it it is a landmark judgment for the European uh, Court to come out and say that that was wrong to say that they couldn't have a European league. And uh, yes, it, 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 it lots of clubs, some of them in this country, have come out and said, well, it doesn't matter, we're not going to get involved anyway. Yeah, they'll all say that, but let it start up and somebody start making some money and by Jove, they change our bloody minds then. No doubt about it. So... Um, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right, Stephen, and I think Eddie's right to uh, to coin it in that way. That it, it let's work as though it is going to be around for a long time, and keep Newcastle clear of the league's lawyers because that's the last thing we need is for them to have a pop at us. Um, in terms of what Eddie says, well, can I remind you, he he had a press conference last year, and uh, he virtually said we were penniless nearly, and the next day. Um, Alexander Isaac walked in the door for 63 million. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that, that's the sort of game he's happy to play. Well, yeah, why doesn't it? Why can't he? Um, he's, he, you know, the lads are right. We just got to look at a player and his value goes up 10 million, 20 million, 30 million, depending on who it is. So, um, I'm happy to let Eddie play these games, uh, in, in the best way he can because it's, it's important for our club, it's important for our team. And important for us as, as supporters that he's, he's laying things out that are setting the foundations possibly for the next fabulous, I would say, 10 years for Newcastle United. And uh, if that's how he's going to do it, well, good luck to him. And uh, he has my support. But as I say, one minute, we've got nothing. The next minute, Alexander Isaac walks through the door. Yeah, good point you make there, George. Good point you make. Uh, every now and then, we do shake the show up a little bit. And um, it's nice to bring... Uh, an old face back. Good to have Elliot back on the show. Two cannibals talking. What's for dinner, said the first. Leftover stew, said the second. God's sake, replied the first. Not him again. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, goodness gracious. 
Very good, Elliot. Uh, got quite a few uh, from Elliot uh, to keep us going through 2024. So we're uh, looking forward to uh, re-adding that to uh, to the Amigos. Uh, okay, lads. Um, Tenali, uh, somebody we haven't spoken about for a while, um, but obviously somebody who is uh, you know continuing to train with the club. And Jason Foster says, even and all, do you think if we had Tenali available uh, in our current squad, it would be healthier? I just hope he's taking a big pay cut after all the tapping. I think it's caused the damage, says Jason. Um, I don't think he'll have taken a pay cut. I've got to be perfectly honest, Steve. But the fact that he is allowed to train with the squad is a massive bonus, as opposed to you know what happened with Tony at Brentford, for example. But Tonali, um, you know, I think would have made a hell of a difference in the in, in the European games. I mean, the guy got to the semi-finals of the Champions League with his former club last year. So, you know, f- from our perspective, you know, it's been a big, big blow. But I think, I, you know, I think it would have made a hell of a difference, Steve. And, and Eddie Howe, again, in his press conference today, did point to that gaping hole in his midfield, which is, is being caused by no fault of our own. Yeah, I mean, you look back at the first game of the season against Villa, uh, the way that Tenali took took a grip of that game, the goal after, what, 10, 12 minutes, um, you looked at him and thought, "We've got a baller here. We've got a we've got a real quality um, addition to our squad." Um, and then you saw him. You saw his game drift off, and uh, he he was injured. He, he he went on international duty. Then we heard that he wasn't training. Then there was the stories that he kept nipping back to Italy. And it was obvious that there was something going on. Um, nobody imagined that it was. Um, anything as serious as as it turned out, but uh, all of that seemed to 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 really weigh on the lad. And his performances when he did when he was available, I think that I, I can only recall two performances that got anywhere close to matching the the way that he played in the first uh, fixture. Um, would he be an asset now? Absolutely. The Tenali that we saw in the first game of the season would have been a a, a marvelous asset to the squad. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Villa, the, the, there was also a player at Villa who was caught up in the same sort of thing, and that there's just mentioned. Um, I think he's still available. I think I don't think anything's happened to to that in, in that one. It's still being investigated. Yet they came down on Tonali very, very quickly, um, and it's just unfortunate that, that that the ban lasts for for the entirety of the season. Um, but again, I mean. This, come, this comes back to, to whether the right questions were asked, whether the right due diligence was done at the time we talked about it, um, when the when the um, when the whole case uh, erupted and the news came out that something's gone on and it, you know there was questions um, asked on a, on a, a across social media and on our little panel here um, about whether or not we'd done the right due diligence, why we didn't know about it. Uh, it turns out that, f- from all intents and purposes, it was it, it was kept very much quiet. Uh, something that only Tenali was aware of, and and possibly his agent, um, or or immediate family. Although he, the, it was even mentioned at some point that even the immediate family didn't know what he was going through. Um, it, it's it's just one of those things, Steve, and it's just a, a really really difficult position that the football club found itself in. Um, but it's. It's a man down, isn't it? It's it's one less player. I mean, at a period when we've had so many injuries, a player of that quality being available at Eddie Howe would have been a, a, a huge asset to, to Newcastle United, a huge asset to, to Eddie and his coaching staff. 
Um, maybe that was his plan B. Maybe, maybe his plan B could have been that he would have had Tenali playing either as a number six if if necessary, or he could push him wide onto the onto the right um, as he did play. You know, in a, in a couple of his appearances. Um, but it, you know, we'll never know, Steve. We'll never know. We just hope that we've got a quality player coming back um, next August. That's that's all we can do. That's all we can sit and talk about a quality player. Um, would it have helped our FFP if 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 situations had had been different? If we'd known, um, I, I, what I would say, you know, just going back to the FFP that we spoke about there, and just something that that that, that picked up on, um, when Eddie said that FFP thinks it's going to be around for quite a long time, I think FFP will only be around um, for as long as the 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 top six start pulling themselves away financially. Um, and I think that when the other fourteen twig on, that there's been there's been a, a there's been a rabbit pulled out of a hat by the top six, and I think at that point, I think the fourteen will go. Hang on a minute, we're getting restricted on what we can spend here. Um, this isn't right. They they are they are allowed because of the way that the, that the whole thing's been set up. They're allowed to to get away with murder in terms of what they can and can't do, and um, because of the of the amount of money that they're turning over. Um, we've got benefactors that would help us in our football club, um, and we could, you know, just because it, the money was come from an alternative source. And I think they'll reach a point where the other fourteen will revolt, and I think that there'll be a change in in the FFP, um, either on on a cash basis in terms of what you can and can't spend, or I can see somebody taking this to 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 the to the nth degree, um, and whether it's starts off in UEFA because of the threat of the Super League and they open the door a little bit more um, and that's, that gives us an opportunity or gives gives clubs an opportunity to spend a little bit more and the, the figures go up because the other thing with FFP is as the TV deals are coming in, although the TV deal we've got actually turned out to be just a longer deal and the same amount of money, there's not exactly a load more money being put in on these TV deals that have come in, but uh, there'll be an awful lot more money coming in because of those TV deals, in terms of sponsorship, the clubs are picking up. Um, so I think there'll be, I think there'll be changes there. But uh, on on Tonali, a big miss. That's what we can say about them. A player of that quality is a big miss to our football club. Okay, um, your your views, Mitch. Well, like we just said about how having a plan B. Um, and that we're relying on having a quality of player available to make the subtle changes more impactful. Um, Italian international, been in the semi-finals of the Champions League. Yeah, that's an impactful change. Uh, of course he's missed. Of course he's missed. Um, you're quite right about what you say about the opening game of the season, Steve. Um, you know, we looked at him there and think, Christ, we bought a good year. And whether people were still concerned whether he was happy to be here, be here or not, etc., uh, etc., et uh, at the end of the day, um, it, it, it's quite obvious he's a bowler and he would have made a difference in the squad if available. And so um, I don't think you can say anything else other than that, uh, that uh, he was. Uh, a miss in every way, shape, or form, and has been. Um, now, we'll never know what Milan knew. We'll never know what his agent knew. Um, 
the complexity of the gambling laws in Italy are mind-blown in themselves. The way that Italian prosecutors move on things, um, they tend to only move on cases that they know they can win. And the biggest difference with, with Tenali and any other player is Tenali's put his hands up and gone, yeah, I, I did that. Um, and it's not about did he bet on football or not. It's about the type of betting he's done in different ways on different platforms. There was a suggestion that they were using a, a burner phone between a few of them on a bench in an Italian national game to play blackjack and uh, casino slots while they were on the bench, which is um, madness, really. Um, and embarrassing for the Italian FA. So is it any wonder they want to kick some arse? Of course they do. Um, should we have done more due diligence? Well, the thing about addictions is people don't like to share it with everybody. So <laughs> you've really got to know. I mean, Christ. Again, I've talked about somebody I know very, very well. He's a personal friend of mine. And the first thing a lot of us knew about his gambling habit was when his mugshot was on the front of the bloody Chronicle. And we used to drink with him every Saturday before the match. We used to go to away games with him. And yes, we knew he liked to bet. But we didn't know he was betting with our people's pension money on the spread of corners in Kazakhstan's second division game to try and make up the losses he was making. You know, and, and and that's a true story. That's somebody we know personally. Yeah. And like I say, most most of us genuinely didn't know how bad his problem was until his mugshot was on the front of the bloody chronicle and he was off to do time. And now spends his time trying to let people not get in the situation either. So I won't have it that somebody must have knew and this one must have knew. Because um, when you've been there firsthand, um, and you didn't know. Yeah, yeah maybe he's had an England. Yeah, he likes a bet. But there's a there's a big jump from he likes a bet to embezzling four hundred thousand pound. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> and, and, and so again, this is it. Most people with addictions are functional addicts of one form or another. And they only become non-functional when the wheels come off. Yeah. And so you will have to kind of respect that a little bit. It, it hurts because it hurts everybody at Newcastle United. I'm quite sure some of the players are hurt by it and want to kick his arse in training. I suspect he's had a few little Achilles taps <laughs> from two or three people in training and he'll learn a hard lesson a very hard way. Um, but at the same time, I'm sure that um, part of his rehabilitation will be the, together, the togetherness of that squad and the to get togetherness that Eddie Howe preaches with the back room. However, that some of that togetherness doesn't seem to be there at the moment. Mm. Um, and, and that frustrates me. Because he's going to need that and more. Coming back into the game, um, I'm sure there's many an opposition fan has an interesting chant lined up for him. And he'll face that for the rest of his career. Um, and so, 
we it, it's up to us to support them in every way, shape, and form that we can, because it benefits all of us if we can do that. I suppose on the plus side as well, you've got to say that from Tenali's perspective, now that it's out in the open, the the pressure's off. Yeah. In terms of the mental side of what he was going through, and you've got to hope that we what we get back is if is a former relaxed, a for better footballer who hasn't got the baggage weighing them down that he had. Um, and, and I think it, I think it's going to be to his betterment. Um, the other thing I would say, Mitch, is that you mentioned there that he's taken a few taps on the on the ankles. Thank God there hasn't been a full squad to kick him in training. <laughs> Very true. Very true. George, just interested in your point of view before we go to the ad break. Uh, yes. Just about, just about Tenali. What's your views? Well, I mean, he is a miss. I mean, he is, he is a, uh, an interesting and, and a very clever footballer. Um, I've seen one or two criticism. He doesn't run here and he doesn't run there. He, he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to. He's, his sense of position is brilliant. Uh, and he gets there at the right place at the right time, in my view. And yes, we have got a footballer on our hands. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. Uh, as to the all the stuff... About the the gambling, well, Neil is absolutely right. The biggest thing about addiction is secrecy. And I've sat. I wish I had a penny for every pound for every court I've sat in, in in North Tyneside and and elsewhere where I've sat, uh, and listened to people uh, having their misdemeanors read out in court and looking at the faces of their wives, their husbands, or their or their fathers or their mothers, who clearly didn't know any of it. You know, the, the hurt that was in their faces when the prosecution reads out the list of things that they've done. And then the final thing is, it, it, there was one, there's one defence lawyer who I, who I know, who works used to work in North Tyneside a lot, he doesn't know, um, always used to ask these people the same thing. What's the most important thing that's happened to you uh, since this all started? And the answer, 100% was always getting caught getting caught so I could get rid of it, get it off my chest, get it off my back, get it off my family. <laughs> and I think that's where Tenali is at the moment. He's, he's, he's trying to recover from all of that. And it wouldn't surprise me at all that if his family and even even his, his girlfriend, stroke wife, uh, didn't know anything about it either. So, um, yeah, all, all of that. Um, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but with addiction, it ain't no such thing as a hindsight, I'm afraid. It's a horrible thing to get involved in um, and uh, take some getting shot off. So, But I look forward to the days back. We, we've got a real footballer on our hands and uh, the squad will help get over it and, and I'm sure the club's helping now to, uh, for them to get over it. And so can the fans. I mean, I, I, I rejoiced when uh, it was announced that he had a problem, that he was warming up on the touchline for a game and, and the, the crowd came out with his song. I thought that was absolutely great. Uh, and let's have more of that when he does come back and uh, um, he'll be a better player for it for Newcastle United. Lots of love and positivity in the chat for Tenali. Uh, Nigel says, you'll be fine once your squad gets some energy. Your style relies on tempo and energy, which you don't have right now. We need a big squad to play like that. You'll have that at some point. You're right. Um, and uh, Lee, we did talk about this earlier. Um, that's utter poppycock is what I'm going to say, Lee. Ignore it. At your peril, share it. 
don't share it, mate. Honestly, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, very polite, Steve. Bollocks would have been my word. <laughs> it's a load of, Lee, it's a load of, honestly, it's a load of rubbish, mate. It really is. It, you couldn't, you couldn't script that. Really, you couldn't. And believe you me, I've written a script. I know what I'm talking about. Okay, halfway through the show, time, time for the ads. A big thanks to all our sponsors. Skips and bins, telephone 0800 25 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website, skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay-as-you-go waste collection. Thanks again to Mr. Vicky Sources, handmade in Cumbria. If you'd like to order some, then give them a call on 01768 210102. Go to their website, mrvickies.co.uk, or drop them an email, info at mrvickies.co.uk. A big thanks to United Group Travel. They're a family firm based in Morpeth with pickups throughout the Northeast. No strangers on our tours, just people you haven't met yet. They've got a presence on Facebook and a website, unitedgrouptravel.com. If you want to make a booking, give them a call on 01670-632-460 or mobiles 0791-666-4174-0795-71-41654. Thanks to Darren Baldwin Funerals, independent funeral directors. Let us look after you in your time of need. They're based on Old Durham Road in Gateshead. And you can contact them at their website, darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk. Email darren at darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk. Or give them a call, 0191 478 2730. A big thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the technical side of things. And a big thanks to New Workwear. You can find them at newworkwear.com. If you want to help the channel, hit the thumb up to subscribe, hit the subscribe button, and share to your other social media. You can also pay a one-off fee of £25 to get a scarf, a cup, a pen, and a membership card. Go to the website, nufcmatters.com, and click membership. Or put your smartphone over this QR code. We also support the food bank on this channel. If you want to make some donations virtually, go to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk and make a donation today. We're also a podcast on Spotify, iTunes and other podcast providers. Just search NUFC Matters. I'm also a part of the Northeast Footy Brecky Show. You can listen to that Monday to Friday, 7 or 9 at the Toon uk.com we've also got an event coming up next year it's in january the 19th at the tyneside irish center it's an evening with nobby solano tickets are available on voucher for 20 pounds don't forget supermac and gibbo do every pre-match at louis liquor store it's free entry children welcome and there is great food by Fed's Fried Chicken. They're usually on pre-match and sometimes post-match at Louis Liquor Store. Don't forget as well, I've got a Facebook page and a lot of people say, well, I'm not on Twitter. I can't send you uh, a tune lookalike or uh, I can't send you a tweet of the week. Uh, but if you get yourself onto Facebook, if you're on there, uh, search for NUFC Matters. We've also created a Supermac and Gibbo official page as well. It's a group 
so if you want to follow them and you've got a question about Malcolm and Gibble when they come back in the new year, then uh, please add yourself to that group as well. Uh, just uh, means that we can find your uh, comments a little bit easier. Okay, it is time for Tweet of the Week. I just want to thank everybody as well for listening to what I said and uh, keeping them a little bit cleaner uh, because uh, we did have we did have that email uh, who uh, certainly made a request that, that they enjoyed the show, but uh, we're getting more like uh, a chubby brown uh, ten minute section, so we're, we've jacked it in. Uh, somebody sent us this. Um, apparently, this went to the cup final in the nineteen seventies, lads. Yeah. Um, and uh, somebody was asking, does anybody know where it is? I mean, it, it's in good nick there, by the way. Um, I mean, it's a colour photograph. So clearly taken in and around that period of time. And looking at the club crest on the side, maybe it's had a bit of a refurb. Is it, is it not over Ashton? Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Somebody was, ask, somebody was asking on, uh, on, on social media, does anybody know where this is? That's definitely had an upgrade since the 70s, Mitch, hasn't it? I'm sure, I'm sure it went to the to the Charity Shield and the Cup Fails in the 90s. 90s, yeah. yeah. Definitely. It went. And that yeah. would explain the, the, the modern badge. That's but right. I'm sure when I was living up Pegswood Way, I'm sure that used to be parked on the road near Asda in Ashington. There we go. Anybody know where it is? Anybody know where it is? What it's doing? Um, did it go to the Carabao Cup final? Maybe. Anybody find knows the, anything about the find the fire tender? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Sean Casey. Um, I'm not going to read this out, but I did laugh at this, mate. Tensions will be high this transfer window. I hope the in the know accounts don't add add to it with their rumours. Uh, that's what I'm going to say. Sean, the irony was not wasted when I read that, mate. Very good. Uh, I did like this as well. Somebody sent me some photographs of Luton Town away. Uh, there you go. People saying, hey, God, what, it goes through people's houses? Yes. A Premier yes. League. It goes through people's houses. There you go. That's exactly what it's like. It's like, it's like a scene from Coronation Street, that one bottom did you, left. Did you see the video from the West Ham fans chatting, we can see you in the bath? Yeah, <laughs> that, that was just brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, we don't eat uh, eggs, meat, fish, dairy, or gluten. What would you recommend? A taxi, says the waiter. <laughs> and uh, breaking news about the referee: Michael Oliver has been appointed as referee for the Sunderland versus Newcastle FA Cup tie. Yes, that uh, went the rounds as well uh, uh, over the last week. Thanks for this one, uh, Paul. He says, "Remember to set your scale back ten pound this week." Yeah, it's probably right. <laughs> and uh, Dad, can you tell me what a solar eclipse is? No, son. Okay, I'll oh, guess. Dear. I'll ask Mrs. Oh, O'Brien. Dear. <laughs> oh, dear. See, see, we're doing them for the intellectuals now, George. Yeah. Uh, Paddy, Paddy walks into the site office carrying a flask. Murphy, what have you got there then? Paddy, tis a new flask. Murphy, what did it do then? <laughs> it keeps hot things, hot things hot and cold things cold. Murphy, <laughs> so what do you got in it then? Two cups of coffee and an ice cream. <laughs> oh, dear. I feel like we're going to come after her now. <laughs> yeah. And oh, you yes. the world's worst madness tribute act, lads. Oh, classic. <laughs> that, looks, that looks like a former Joe of this parish, to be honest. That could have been a lookalike uh, back in the old yeah. days. Definitely looks like um, our old friend Joe. Uh, Grandma crocheted a shark blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and 
DRN UFC Twitter, success isn't linear. Please support and back Eddie Howe. What people think it looks like success and what it really looks like success. I did like that. Yeah. Very good. Um, <laughs> anybody who knows this show knows we're not big fans of VAR and uh, neither is this former referee. <laughs> Seen on Sky recently. Donald, thanks for this one. So I was in London and I said to a passerby, excuse me, how do I get to Paddington? He said, Steely's marmalade sandwiches. That should work. <laughs> and Soda Pop Kid, thanks for this. Look, a shooting star. Make a wish. I'd like to get married. Oh, sorry, it's a plane. <laughs> and Mariah Carey being summoned back to hell on December the 26th, says Ian. Yes. <laughs> I did like this album cover. Uh, if Carlsberg did albums for football teams, who would this be, said Stephen Kennedy. Uh, but we can get away with that because it is an actual album cover. Um, but answers on a postcard, I guess, Stephen. And Snowman for Sale Needs Repairs, $25. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Jimmy. And looks like rain. Nah, it's way too sunny today. Weather spoons, lads. Oh. Oh. Oh, God. And if you are experiencing joint pain, you probably shouldn't be holding the lit end, says Jimmy. Oh, fair you know, I like me Star Trek ones, lads. Captain, someone's offering to extend their ship's warranty. <laughs> nice modern day take there. And uh, Tweet of the Week says, Jimmy, the Colonel Holiday, three weight, twice the breasts, thighs and legs. Write your own jokes, he says. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and for sale, parachute only, uh, used once, never opened. Thanks, Jimmy. And never before seen image of the Acme Company president and his late wife. <laughs> his late wife, yes. And never mind Elf on the Shelf, lads. Here comes Andy Pandy on the brandy. <laughs> oh, very good. And I needed my pants hemmed quickly, so I called Taylor Swift. Oh, dear. And last few. Thanks for the iPad, Grandma. <laughs> oh, and Sunderland eggs because the eggs are in bread. Oh dear! Yeah. Thanks, Keith. Top two. I'm still confused as to why I need to put my cake in the oven at 120 degrees. Oh, <laughs> oh, <dear me. laughs> uh, and the winning one this week is this: a truck loaded with Vicks vapor rub overturned on the highway. Amazingly, there was no congestion for eight hours. Oh dear. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks for keeping us going through the Christmas period. If you've got a tweet, then send it to our Facebook page or send it to one of the lads on Twitter. Do the lads think De Gea would be good for us? Says Tom Ken Robinson. We have to replace De Babka, but De Gea is not the answer. If I knew who the answer was, I'd be getting Eddie's wages. But he likes dubs, so I don't think he'd change. Uh, there was another question, I think, from Moza. Do you think Phillips is worth the shot, given the loan fee? $7.5 million has been um, yeah, the, the, the fee that's been chucked around. So, Steve, let's just focus on those two players. Uh, right. Eddie, said, Eddie said we've uh, got financial fair play restrictions and uh, nobody's close. But, ultimately, um, those two names won't go away. De Gea and Phillips. Would you would you be settle 
to have those two players come in on loan uh, till the end of the season to get us out of a, a bit of a rut that we're in. Fresh faces, Steve. That's what I would say first. And secondly, fresh faces that don't impact FFP. So you, you, you've immediately got the fact that one of them is a free agent and the other one's coming in on loan. Um, De Gea, um, is he the answer? Is he, is he what we're looking for? Well, we'll one keeper down. So it immediately puts us back into the into the frame that Eddie's wanted all season, which is four goalkeepers um, as part of his squad. Um, and obviously including Gillespie in that. Um, is, he a, is he a class act in terms of a goalkeeper? Yes. Um, he wouldn't have been getting paid so much at Man United and he wouldn't have lasted so long at Man United if he was a poor goalkeeper. Um, for all the critics that he had at Manchester United... Um, he invariably, by the end of the season, ended up as their top goal player, player of the season, uh, on a number of occasions. Um, good shot stopper, always no, always prone, like most goalkeepers, prone to the odd mistake here and there. Um, for some reason, their new manager came in and didn't want him, and wanted someone who could play with the feet, and then went out and bought a goalkeeper who can't play the ball with his feet, which was fascinating. Um, or his hands. Or his hands, yes, exactly. Chris Pockets. Um, and it just goes to show, doesn't it? Um, I wonder how much of De Gea moving on was to do with the fact that he was allegedly on three hundred and fifty to £400,000 a week and Manchester United were looking to sort out their own FFP and to reduce the burden of their wager packet. Um, and the salaries that were, were, were going out the door. Um, something that a football club of the stature at Manchester United would probably never want to admit. Um, but De Gea hasn't played since uh, since leaving Manchester United in the summer. Um, I think he would be an asset. Um, I think that uh, I think it would be a boost. I think any player coming in to, to Newcastle's squad at the moment uh, to freshen it up, uh, a fresh face, etc., New ideas, uh, new set of new set of skills, uh, new voice in the changing room, um, new experience among the squad, um, both of them internationals. Um, Phillips, yeah, we've seen various press reports saying seven seven point five million pound as a loan fee. Um, is it true or not? We don't know. We've all we've got to go by that is what's written in the Daily Mirror and the Daily Star and the Sun. Um, etc. etc. Um, only the only the clubs when it comes to the negotiating um, would actually know what what was going on there in terms of a fee being paid. This is a new thing that's come in over the last sort of five or six years, isn't it? Um, paying a fee for someone, yeah, as well as taking on their um, their salaries and this type of thing. Um, so I think both of them would be assets, Steve. Put it that way. Um, and I think our squad is in need of a freshen up. Um, the big freshen up is going to come, however, in the summer. Um, and what's going to be just as fascinating is who leaves the squad as much as who we bring in. Um, I mentioned it on on a, a show just a couple of weeks ago where I talked about the Deadwood. It wasn't meant in a derogatory way. It was just very much the fact that the number of players that we've got in our squad, despite the injuries, who have never had a look in, never played a game, uh, either been out injured uh, throughout the entire period, um, or not available, um, or simply not selected. Um, players that were there to make the numbers up, and again, this is what makes it difficult. 
for the spreadsheet guys because there are certain rules tied into your squad now where you've got to have so many players that have come in and are part of your squad who have been there as youngsters, been there as academy, um, homegrown is one of the phrases. Then you've got, you're not homegrown, but you're not overseas player, et cetera, et cetera. So it, 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 there's, a, there's a lot of uh, moving parts to a squad at the moment. And we got caught in that with the likes of Dummett, um, and we've got we've got the homegrown side of Richie, who's come on um, recently with Demel Craft, who's been out for a long, long time. Manquillo, who hasn't kicked a ball all season, um, and doesn't look like he will be for uh, for for a long stretch. So you know these are the these are the sort of players. Goal, uh, we've got Gillespie as a goalkeeper who probably will never play for Newcastle. Um, Contract coming up towards the towards to, to its end in in July as well, so there's going to be movement. Uh, there's no question about that, um, and that's just as fascinating as I say. Um, but in terms of the two names that have been mentioned, yes, I think they would both be an asset to our squad. Okay, Mitch. Totally agree, and here De here has been posting enough hints on his Instagram page, etc., that he's ready to come back to football. Um, we've got absolutely no doubt the reason he was shown the door Man United was about his contract. They would never admit that. They w- wouldn't want that to be public. Um, but 100%. And you look at how the Man United fans have reacted to Anana coming in and De Gea going, and they're desperate for him to come back. There's no doubt about that, even though De Gea does have the odd ring in him. Um, there's no doubt he's a quality keeper. And the question is, are you hungry enough to come here for six months and show what you can do? And then we'll have another, exactly, Gary, we'll have another conversation in the summer and take it from there. If he's hungry enough to want to come back into football at the top, I'm quite sure anybody who was hungry enough would take a deal like that. You know, he doesn't necessarily need pots of cash because he's already a very wealthy individual. But he'll also have a worth, a self-worth, that he'll want reflected in any contract that we agree. And that would probably be the challenge with him. Because you stick him in even on a short-term contract at a certain value, and I'm quite sure there'll be parity clauses in four or five different players' contracts, and then suddenly it costs you a hell of a lot more money in the long run. Yeah. Um, that's when a free transfer is not a free transfer. <laughs> um, but would he be an asset to the squad? Yeah. You know, the bear shit in the woods. Of course he would be. Um, would I have him over Dubravka? 100%. Dubravka we've got now is not the one that we had previously. He's, he's lost something. The hokey-cokey that he does on his line when he doesn't seem to want to command the box. Um... For someone who was lauded as being better with his feet than Pope, I'm not convinced he is. Um, and there seems to be communication issues for me. Just my personal feeling. Um, Phillips is another interesting one. Remember, I watched a lot of Leeds with the Leeds lads. And there was a six-month period where Phillips under Bielsa was the number one central midfielder in the Premier League for me. Yeah. I've seen enough of them. Um, proper box to box was a dominant force in midfield. 
seemed like he could do everything, almost Gerard-like. He could do the dirty stuff. He had a shot in him. He could ping the ball around. If we can get that, Phillips, yes, please. However, ever since he's gone to Man City, there's been question marks over his desire. There's been question marks over his fitness. He even returned to Man City from England duty and had Pep taking the piss out of his weight. And so, and he's, and he's another one of these players like Calvert Lewin and like Tom Davis, who's ended up at the Sheffield United, who have one eye on the Premier League and one eye on the front cover of Vogue magazine. When he rocks up at a training ground looking like something out of the Mr. Men. <laughs> um, you know, it, 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 I don't need that kind of circus and don't want that kind of circus, thanks. Make your mind up, what are you, kid? And, and if you can show me that you want to be that um, that player that you were under Bielsa, the one that got the big move to Man City. Um, yeah, I'll have that all day long. I'm just not convinced that's what we'll be getting. And that's what worries me about it. He seems to tick all the boxes of what we are missing from our midfield. And yet, he comes with a almost like a, a, a mystery bag edition that you don't know which one you're going to get. And it's a big gamble, particularly if it's a £7 million loan fee at the end of the season and how much of his wages are we picking up. Um, if we're not convinced that we're getting the real deal. Um, and that, I think, I think we're only going to know if we'll actually do it. Yeah. Okay, George, your thought on those two players? Well, on those two, I, I agree with the notion that we could do with some fresh blood. That's that's brilliant. De Gea, I've got no problem about. I've said it on here before when he was first mentioned. Um, he looks like the sort of guy who's kept himself fit, and he looked pretty fit the little bits I've seen of him. What he hasn't got, and what would be in our favour, is game time. If he could come here for a short period, get some game time, that would be to his benefit as well as ours. So I, I, I've got no problem with the hair. And uh, I subscribe to some of the things Neil said about Dubravka. Um, He doesn't seem to be the same Dubravka we've had before. Um, and uh, um, I think uh, I worry about some of the, the little chats I see on the pitch at Luton and against Nottingham Forest that were going on. And I wonder what all that's about. And uh, I wonder how the people who were you know, really criticising Nick Pope feel now because since since Nick Pope disappeared, we've been leaking goals like a bloody sieve. So I don't know. Um, yes, Dravavka would be would be a good choice in my opinion. A national talented goalkeeper it looks like somebody who keeps himself fit, but he needs game time, and we can give him game time and some money to put in his bank, which he's not getting at the moment. And even if it is just till the summer. Um, gives us a chance to think about what we want to do after that because yeah, Neil's right. Gillespie can't stay much longer, surely, in the position he's in without getting any games. So um, maybe there's some reshuffling to be done anyway. As to Calvin Phillips, well, um, I, I think I've mentioned on on here before that I read very closely once I heard seeing the rumours about this issue about him coming back from an England training camp, being so heavy, so overweight. 
his own manager wouldn't put him in the team for nearly five weeks. Didn't think he was fit enough. Well, yeah, that is up to, up to the trainers, but my God, what sort of a professional lets himself go like that when you're away on, a, on international duty? It it just says something about him, about his professionalism. That's what worries would worry me. And is, is that what's coming? Yes, he deals again. Neil's right. It leads. He was the most talented player you could see in midfield, um, but has all the uh, the money and all the stardom uh, changed something in the lad? I don't know. Um, but uh, I wouldn't for the sort of money they're talking about. I wouldn't be risking Phillips. I'd be looking elsewhere. But Dupravka, yes, welcome. Let's let's give it a go and yeah, uh, here rather, and let's give it a go and. Uh, Put some pressure on the people that are already there. Okay, lots of interesting comments coming in. What club in the world is paying 7.5 million to have Phillips on loan? Absolutely nobody, says Benny. City know that we're the right move, but they're good at business and they're trying to con us, uh, which is interesting. Um, lots of comments coming in uh, from you, and uh, thanks for that. Great numbers tonight. Um, you know, never take it for granted. Over 450 watching live tonight. So thank you for thank your you. support, as always. And, um, Going to move on uh, to tune look likely before we look to the Liverpool game. A shortage of these this week, but the ones that you've sent are very, very good. Uh, I've had this one a couple of times, and uh, it was good to see Sir Alan Partridge's uh, account put this one up. A very, very uh, good likeness of uh, those two characters. Uh, this one was sent in late. It looks like Sean Longstaff from Jimmy um, in the background. I didn't have time to edit it, but it, it's the kid at the forefront. You can just make him out. It does look, if you're watching on the TV, you'll be able to see it. But that is very Sean Longstaff. Like Daryl Gurney from the Dot and Andy Bell from Eurasia. Very <laughs> good. Huh? <laughs> it's not bad. Not bad. Uh, I had this one sent in of Keith Patterson. <laughs> very like him. I keep Keith with hair. Um, Tielemans of Leicester uh, looks like Keegan Butcher Baker of EastEnders. That's pretty yes. good, lads. Yes, very that's good. Pretty lad. good. That's a that's a Tom Dixon special. And there's another one from Tom Sidney Bernstein from Beverly Hills Cop and Roberto Firmino. Wow, he's on a bit of a roll, is he? Tom on his birthday, and there's another one, Ganacho and Klaus Kinski. Kinski, the actor, yeah. Again, pretty good, Tom. You've got your glasses on this week. And another one from Tom, um, Ted Mosby and Nicholas Bentner. Yeah, different colour hair, but yeah. Four, four in a row from Tom. We'll give him that this week because it's his birthday. Look alike from Moza, uh, Sukach and Big Dan Byrne. That's, that's a good one, that. It is. Very good. And Catherine Moore. Is it just me or does Owen Hunt from Grey's Anatomy? Look like Dan Byrne. I can see that, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Another one. Very good. Anyway, thank you, Catherine. New face in there. Tim, Merry Christmas, he says. And uh, he has a topical lookalike. Uh, Martin Lukeman from the Darts and Buster Blood Vessel. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes. And this one was sent in of me uh, without attaching it to a lookalike. Dickie Bingo. Banjo <laughs> songs to make love to. Um, I'm not really seeing the likeness, but thanks for that. I'll oh, we can see it. We can I'll see it. I'll certainly not be buying the album. 
And uh, Mitrovic from NUFC Geordie. Instead good. of Tiger Waliti, um, which was uh, uh, somebody from some kind of show. I've got no idea what it is. Never even heard of him. But it uh, looks like Mitrovic. I would say yes. Top two. Liam Kennedy and Luke Littler. Uh, yes. That's yes. from Joe Slatham. Thank you for that. And the winner this week, Rob Hannaway. House of Gucci and War Sandro. Yes. Wow. Very good, Rob. You are the winner this week. Uh, the last one of 2023. Uh, if you've got lookalikes, and they are definitely getting better, not one Steve Hayes yeah. lookalike you there this week. There might be one next week, but you never know. Get them over to us. Send them to the Facebook page, NUFC Matters, or send them to us on Twitter. Now we've got I like, no I like, got no sh- like Steve, Steve Hasty. If there'd been a dog on it, would have been on for bloody ages. He got a one that he didn't like of himself, and that didn't stay on very long, did it? Exactly, George. <laughs> exactly. I'm glad you spotted it. It's called the power of the it's called the power of the button, George. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Gotta be careful, get his own back. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, as as I was saying, uh, Newcastle versus Liverpool away on New Year's Day, eight o'clock kickoff live on Sky Sports. Usually we would have Toon Stato and uh, Scunny Mag to give us their away day and to give us the uh, the Toon stats, but not today. Uh, both of them are travelling away for New Year. Uh, safe journey, lads. Um, I think I may well have something from Scunny Mag for doing me Eddie Howe press conference tomorrow, but. Uh, Andre is on his way to Denmark to celebrate with the family. So I uh, hope they have a safe journey and uh, look forward to getting them back on next week's show. But yes, Newcastle kick off eight o'clock at Anfield, live on Sky Sports, a full away end, uh, despite the fact that it's such an awkward kickoff time for Newcastle United uh, supporters. And Newcastle have scored the opening goal in three of the last four visits to Anfield. Uh, and went on to lose all of those games. The most recent point uh, at Anfield came by an equaliser in second half added time. Uh, Eddie Howe, of course, speaking to the media today, confirmed that Jamal Lascelles is unlikely to be a long-term injury, but wasn't 100% sure whether he would make it back for this particular game. Joe Wilk and Harvey Barnes are somewhere off a return. No updates on long-term absentees such as uh, Murphy, Anderson, Pope or Target. Uh, and as we've already discussed, Sandro Tonali remains ineligible until the uh, end of the season. And this is, by the sounds of it, the first two games of next season as well. Uh, having played 19 Premier League games, now officially halfway through the season, so suspension thresholds have now altered to a two-match ban for any player who collects 10 bookings in the first 32 Premier League games. So uh, a collectible sigh of relief for certain players uh, at our club at the moment. Anthony Gordon leads our list with seven Premier League yellows. He's one ahead of Bruno Gamares. So uh, those are the two names to, to watch out for. As for Liverpool, uh, Alcantara, Matip, uh, Tiskmas, uh, Robert, uh, Robertson all miss out. Uh, Alexis McAllister is doubtful. Diego Jota uh, has made a successful return from injury though and is available. Ahead uh, of our visit to Anfield, Liverpool won 2-0 against Burnley on Boxing Day, and they are currently top of the Premier League. Uh, This is set to be Mo Salah's last game before he heads off to AFCON, the African Cup of Nations, kicking off, of course, and he will be representing Egypt. Um, 
he's failed to score in any of his last four appearances against Newcastle. So if you're going to go at the boogies, you might as well stick him down as first goal scorer for this game at the weekend. Um, Wataru Endo will also be off with Japan uh, to the Asia Cup following our visit. So last two games for them. At home so far this season, Jurgen Klopp's side are unbeaten in all nine Premier League games, uh, winning the first seven and they've drawn the last two, uh, albeit against Manchester United and Arsenal. Since losing 2-1 to Leeds in October 2022, Liverpool are unbeaten at Anfield in 21 Premier League matches. The referee is Anthony Taylor. Uh, this will be second game in charge of a Newcastle fixture. He took charge of the 2-2 draw at Wolves in October. And on VAR, don't talk to us about VAR, especially at Liverpool. Uh, shadows and, and, and what goes with shadows. Uh, Stuart Atwell is in charge of VAR. Uh, if you're staying in town, uh, the Salt Market Social in North Shields will be showing the game with free admission. Uh, City Centre bars with live coverage includes Freight in Newcastle behind High Bridge, Pumphreys in the Big Market and the Dog and Parrot on Clayton Street West. Uh, and if you're listening to the radio and haven't got the TV, it will be live on BBC Radio Newcastle. So, Steve... Yep. Not not, not a happy hunting ground for Newcastle, this. Um, I love it. It's my favourite away game. I'm missing it this year um, because of the, the, the day that it's on, the time it's on. I just, you know, I, I can't justify going down there and I'm spending the time with the family. But um, I will be watching it on TV. Uh, but this is not a happy hunting ground for us. No, it's not, Steve, is it? Uh, it's not a happy hunting ground for many clubs either. Um, just hearing that start at 21 games since they since the lost at home. Um Always a difficult place to go. Um, saw the last two games, saw the Man United game and 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 saw the the Arsenal game, and and on both occasions, you look at it and you think, and there's something not quite right with with them at the minute. You know that yes, they're missing Matty, they're missing Robertson, in particular, um, who are who are rated as a very very good fullback, um, and yet they're sitting top of the league. You know, um, they, they've. They've, they've dropped points at home in the last two games as well. Yet they're sitting top of the league. They, they, there's there's something about quality teams, um, well run teams, uh, well organised teams, teams with experience of of this league who who can go through what is potentially viewed by many of us as a bad patch, losing you know dropping points at home and yet still sit top of the league at the end of Christmas and heading into the new year. Um, and and yes, Klopp gets on my nerves, doesn't he? He gets on everybody's nerves. Um, he came into the Premier League as a breath of fresh air, uh, like most new managers do, um, especially when they come from the continent and they bring new ideas and they have a smile on their face. And then all of a sudden, over the last couple of years, Klopp turned into Mr Misery. Um, you know, he had his teeth done, he had his eyes done, looked like he had his hair done. Um, got himself a new baseball cap, and uh, you know the, the whole the whole makeup of, of Klopp. But he turned into an angry man as well. Um, someone who, for some reason, decided that the only way that he could motivate his team was to make out that everybody was against them. Strange, strange. Because it's not the sort of thing that you would normally uh, associate with with managers of his ilk. Um, but that's what he that's what he's done, and it. it it works to a greater extent than the lesser um, with him at the moment. It seems to have galvanised his squad. Um, and he's done quite well, hasn't he, in terms of the, the changes of personnel, some of the players that they lost in the uh, 
at the end of last season, um, and people looked at it and thought, "Oh, crikey, you know that 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 they're going to go through a, they're going to go through a change of period, and they're not going to be as as effective." Um, some of the players that brought in, people looked at Endo as a, as a perfect example, and thought they're not they're not going to be good enough. Um, but he's 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 put together a really really decent squad, and uh, they're sitting there playing decent football and they deserve to be sitting at the top of the league. Um, especially when they've got they're up there and they've got Arsenal who just seem to have once again hit that wall. But uh, it's going to be a fascinating game, Steve, because the way that we've been, we're all sitting there going, it's just like Newcastle to turn the tables on them. You know, especially if you can get the the crowd and there's been a there's there's been a lot talked about atmosphere at St James's Park. But there's also a lot being talked about Anfield about atmosphere in, inside Anfield itself um, not being the same, even though that they've, they've had the uh, the new uh, the new part of the ground uh, opened up and it's now got a, a, a much larger capacity. But uh, again, this that, that that famous word tourist supporter um, seems to be coming out of uh, out of Liverpool at the moment um, in form of criticism of of the atmosphere that they've always revered as being absolutely top class so i think it's this is an opportunity if if anything where if eddie can get his get his line up right get the players mentally prepared get them right and and they can because they've got the quality they've got the ability um it's just whether they can galvanize that into a performance um on monday um and and surprise a few people um it's great that we're going into that game with that sort of with that mental thought um and it's the sort of game where you would expect uh, players of, of Isak's ilk and, and and Bruno and and Trippier to be able to raise that game, um, that that extra one percent that's sometimes all that's needed for to get a good performance out of them. Um, so, are we going to see a Newcastle United play like they did at Luton? I very much doubt it. I hope we don't. Are we going to see a Newcastle United who, in their previous visits to Anfield, have done? reasonably well and just not had the run of the green quite possibly but uh, maybe it's time that things turn for Newcastle maybe it's, maybe it's the start of the new year it's a change that we we can we can look at uh, positively for before the derby um, in the cup on on, uh, on the following Saturday so uh, it's a game as I say I'm looking forward to um, and it's a game I know that the uh, the scouts always enjoy having the having the, the the Newcastle fans there to create an atmosphere, and maybe we can help boost them and, and have a little bit of a better atmosphere than they have had over the last few weeks, and uh, they can drown out some of their critics as well. Give us your prediction, Steve. Did he get that, Steve? Give us your prediction. My prediction. Uh, I'm going to go one all, Steve. I think they're in a. I think in that draw situation, and I'm going to go for one all draw. Okay, over to you, Mitch. Tough game this. Always, it, it, the the day trip to Anfield's a piece of cake. It'll be a long way away, I'm sure. Um, I keep asking myself, what's the most Newcastle United thing to do? It's to go and smash and grab a one nil win in the 89th minute, because <laughs> it is. <laughs> what I want to see at the weekend is a reaction I want to see a positive reaction to two games that they should have done far better with 
that four points for me was an absolute minimum out of those two games. And they know they've screwed up. They know they've underperformed. I, I'm not overly bothered about if we lose because I'm used to losing in Anfield. But I want to see a reaction. I want to see people respond positively to two bad performances and an opportunity. Because like my dad touched on earlier in the show, we got done by them at home. Um, you know, he pops up with two bloody goals, two cracking goals, by the way, out the blue, when we'd genuinely made a big change and decided we had to go for it. Um, and that's the first one of the first times, maybe other than Tottenham away when, um, oh man, what was the, the Italian manager there? Outdid him when we got beat 5 1 down at Tottenham, made oh, changes yeah. in the second half that Eddie couldn't cope with. And, and Klopp, yes, when Conte did him, and Klopp did that because he had no to lose, yeah, they changed their playing style because they had no to lose. And they got a win out of it, uh, and I begrudgingly give Cop that, Clop that. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, the most Newcastle United thing to do would be to go there and smash and grab a win and come back with three points, and suddenly the garden's rosier, you know. Um, I would just like to see a reaction, simple as that, a positive reaction, something to give way, some positivity going into that game against the Magnums. Well, uh, give us uh, a prediction. Have you got the dice? I have got the dice, yes. Let's see what the dice is. Magic dice is. Oh, my God. This is genuine, by the way. Nil one. (laughs) (laughs) And what are you saying, Mitch? Draw. One, one. One apiece, yeah. Okay. Um, I wish I could be optimistic, lads. I'm going for a 3-1 win to Liverpool. I can't see Newcastle. And, and I think that's a decent result for us. Um, I think two armies nailed it. We've won one and six, and that was against 10 men. We've been terrible for the last four weeks. And there's been no great miracle in the last few days. And Eddie Howe, I, I think, is, is, is looking nervous um, about this. He's putting a brave face on, but uh, I am not looking forward to this at all. George, give us yes. your take and give us a prediction. Well, I mean, like you, Steve, I used to like going to Liverpool and to the other place on Merseyside because I used to get the pleasure of taking the lads in the, in the car and having a good day out with them. The only day that the only trouble is going to Anfield, you got a good day, but you, you very rarely got a good result. <laughs> Having stood in the in the in the end and sang "Walk Alone" with the, with all the idiots, but never mind. Um, if the right Newcastle turns up. A positive result isn't unreasonable. And positive result for me would be, a, as Steve says, a 1-1 would be a positive result. Um, but they are capable, as well as Neil says, of turning everything on its head and, and coming back with a, with a sneaky victory. That would be even better. However, my uh, concern is, if the Newcastle United that was on the pitch just after Nottingham Forest scored their equaliser, then I'm as I'm as depressed as you are, and we could get a real shellacking. And three one would be easy. It could be a lot worse than that if we play like that. Um, so I'm I'm still going to be positive and stick with me one one. 
and hope that the right Newcastle turns up on the day and uh, not the one that uh, that uh, masqueraded as Newcastle Castle in the second half against Nottingham Forest. Okay, uh, that is the final Amigos of 2023. Thanks to everybody for the support as usual. Glad we managed to do a live. Uh, we, we tend to have two weeks off, but I think all of the lads fancy doing it, especially after those results, just to give people a bit yeah. of a boost. I am back in the morning. I'm going to do Eddie Howe's press conference review. It was only 18 minutes long, uh, but uh, it, I will chuck one of them in tomorrow. And then we will be back on Tuesday with a fans forum. Um, I am going to... Uh, Rearrange George's ask George. I've just got the flyer off John, so we are going to do that next week. Maybe do that, maybe do that um, on on Tuesday as well, George. But I'll be in touch with you and let you know. Uh, we'll, right. get, we'll get around to doing that because I know people are excited for that one. Uh, but yes, all remains just to say Happy New Year. Have a good one. Drink sensibly. And to everybody, yes. Eat sensibly, and we'll look forward to seeing you guys back next Friday. And thanks to everybody that turns up at the food bank. It is a thrill. We do like to meet you. It's really nice. Great stuff, guys. Have a good night. Take care. Cheers, everyone. Bye, lads. Yeah.